So I, uh, I this morning have, um, I've been praying for five people in particular, uh, and uh, you've been invited to do the same in the church. Uh, so if, uh, if, if you've been with us for a little bit now, um, we've been talking about praying for five, this, uh, this, this little devotional book that, uh, that's leading us on these 40 days preparing for Easter, and it's been doing it through this, uh, through this call to action. Because prayer is action. Pr- prayer is work, right? If, you, if, you, if you've been a Christian for longer than about seven or eight minutes, prayer is work. I mean, it is. Uh, it, you know, and it, sometimes it's like, like, like the bad word, work. I mean, like the, like the work you don't want to do. Like, you know, it's this call to action. And we've been, we, I've, been, I've been, and, I, and, I, and I, I trust you have too. Um, and if you haven't, start. Go find the book that you got. We paid for it for you. Go find it. Start reading through it, but there on the opening pages, it, 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 it asks you to, to write down five folks you're praying for. And this has been my prayer, is that, is that God would give me this little window of opportunity to share a little bit of my story. Not the whole thing, because some of you have heard my whole story, and literally you just like fell out comatose from boredom, right? I mean, I mean seriously, dude, stop talking. But, but just a little window of opportunity to share my story, a little bit of it, th- th- and my story is this. God's grace in my life has made a difference, and I've needed lots of it. And then, and then to take that little moment of sharing my story and use it to, um, to invite him to worship. To, uh, to, I've, so I've, I've, been, I've, been, I've been praying for f- five folks, and, um, and, and that's, that's what I've been doing. Because the truth is, and this is where we're going to get started. Uh, the truth is, what we do in here, what we do in here, is supposed to impact what we do out there. What we do in here is supposed to impact what we do out there. But if that's the case, then what we do in here and how we do it matters. What, what we do inside this 47 angled walled room that we're in I really like it but it's got a lot of walls what we do inside this building what we do inside of church and how we do it matters because of the way it impacts what we do out there I I love this quote I I love this quote it's by uh it's by Eugene Peterson. Many of you know him as the, uh, the guy that retranslated the entire Bible and called it the message. Um, it's, it's a really, really intriguing, fascinating, helpful translation to lots of folks. But this is, this is another thing that he's written, and, and uh, I think it's spot on. I don't have it on the screen. I should if I were cooler, but it says this. God never makes private, secret salvation deals with people. God never makes private, pi- private, secret salvation deals with people. His relationships with us are personal, yes. They're intimate, true, but private, no. And he goes on to say, we are a family in Christ. When we become Christians, we are among brothers and sisters in faith. No child excuse me no christian is an only child no christian is an only child i love this this is this is spot on 
And it, and it really pushes against the way that so many folks have, have distorted and, dare I say, demented what it means to be a follower of Jesus. That, that you can do it on your own. That, that, that you can do it in some far-off place separated from what's happening in the church. I mean, give me, I'm not talking about the Bonaire United Methodist Church like we somehow have it all figured out better than everybody else. I'm talking about the Church Universal, which happens to be meeting in here right now, but a few minutes ago was meeting right over there, and, and, and in a few minutes we'll be meeting in a, in a million places, right? The Church Universal, this is what it means to be connected, and it really is all about community. It's, it's all about community. Our scripture this morning, as we continue this journey, Moving towards Easter, our scriptures, so if you want to open up your devices and open up the, um, the, the app you have, I love Bible Gateway, but, uh, but the Bible app is pretty good, uh, there, there, there are a number of those. If you want to open up your devices, if you want to open up the Bible you brought with you, we give them away because we believe in the Word of God to, to change lives, and so we bought a bunch of copies and we've been giving them away um, out front, and uh, we'd welcome you to um, grab one of those. Our scripture this morning as we're journeying towards Easter is Psalm 133. So just split your Bible right in the middle and then maybe go over a couple of pages um, towards the back and you'll find Psalm 133. And every parent with multiple children is going to love the way it starts. Every sibling is going to be confused by it. Psalm 133, look at how good and pleasing it is when families live together as one. But some translations, like the one you might be looking at right now, um, translate that to say uh, when brothers and sisters, or maybe it just says sisters, or maybe it just says brothers, right? How good and pleasing it is when brothers, brothers and sisters families, even, even mothers, fathers, children, grandparents, nieces, right? How good and pleasing it is when families live together as one. How awesome it is when, when, they, when they get along with each other. And, and I'm telling you, every mom in the room right now with multiple kids is like, word up, preacher. <coughs> Do moms say word up? Can I get a check? Oh, yeah, all right. Yeah, I got one mom that says word up. If you're a mom of the 90s. Uh, I mean, the dads are like, oh my gosh, rolling their eyes, heavy roll of the eyes. It continues. It is like expensive oil poured over the head, running down onto the beard, Aaron's beard, which extended over the collar of his robes. It is like the dew on Mount Hermon streaming down onto the mountains of Zion because it is there that the Lord has commanded the blessing, everlasting life. This is the word of God for we the people of God. And we say together, thanks be to God. Thanks be to God. I tell you what, uh, before we start unpacking this and looking at how it works out, let's, um, let's pause for a prayer. Let's pray. O oh, gracious God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be pleasing and acceptable 
in your eyes, O God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. And amen. I, I, wish, I wish it were just easy, just as easy to, uh, to toss out these words. But, but, but they're still nonetheless true. Community and, and, uh, and being together are fundamental to the way we've been made. And, and the evidence of that is in your hands. Consider this. On page two of the Bible, God makes a human being in his likeness, right? And then immediately realizes that, that something's missing until he makes another one. Because it's not right that we would be, that we would be alone in the world. We've got to have each other. And, 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 and so you have Adam and you have Eve, right? You, you, have, you have family and not some lone ranger Rambo tramp, tramp, you know, just traveling through the wilderness and the jungle of life. Or, 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 or later on, later on, we read that Jesus lived with 12 disciples. Could he have been Jesus Doing it another way? I, maybe. Maybe. I mean, he, he could have been the scholar, you know, up on the third floor office with a corner view. And he could have just been, you know, banging out all the stuff he was trying to teach us on a computer and emailing it out and posting to his blog. But no, no, no. He lived with, he lived with 12 people for three years because community matters. And then the church, this thing that we do, it only started in the moment that 120 men and women were all together in one place praying. That's when the church started, because community matters. And I love the way, right at the end of the Bible, there, there's, this, there's this passage from the book of Hebrews. And I love the way it encourages it encourages what we do still today to keep happening. It's Hebrews 10.25. Because, because there were some people that had stopped. It says, don't stop meeting together with other believers, which some people have gotten into the habit of doing. That is the stopping. Instead, encourage each other, especially as you see the day drawing near. So in the beginning of the Bible and all the way to the end, what we do matters, and what we do is that we are together in community. But again, it's not easy. And again, it's, it's, it's especially not easy when, when the relationships get tighter. Let me see. Does anybody remember a fellow named Cain? And what happened between he and Abel, right? Does anybody remember the story of the first Joseph in the Bible? And he had 11 brothers. And all they did, all they did was fake his death and sell him into slavery, right? Which makes me so angry. Makes me so angry that I didn't think of that earlier in my life with my brother. <laughs> right? Can I get any witnesses on the back row? Um, makes me so angry. I mean, like, think about it. You could have gotten rid of him and made a little profit on the side. I mean, th the brothers and sisters thing is tough. King David was a man after God's own heart, but he and his brothers didn't get along, like, at all. 
Then, then Jesus, the story of Jesus. Fact, there is a passage in the scriptures that describes the moment. You ready? Describes the moment when Jesus' brothers were standing outside of a house where he was doing ministry, right? And they're calling for him to come out so they can basically go and, and return him home or maybe even, in modern terms, institutionalize him because they think he's crazy. Talk about brotherly love with the Son of God. They're like, hey, we know you. You grew up our older brother, and we think you're crazy now. I mean, it's, it's tough. And here's a fact. Let me see if I can get this right. Here's a fact. The more you know someone, <laughs> the harder it is. Because the more you know someone, the more you know someone. I mean, think about it. The longer you do life with someone, the more you've learned their, their characteristics and their idiosyncrasies and their the things they do that really grate on your nerves. I'm not naming names, but, but what about the guy that's riding in the car with you all the time, popping their knuckles, right? All the time. Anybody? Right? It's too much. Stop it. Over and over again. Over and over again, you say, over and over again. Just just stop it. What, what is it about living t- close together with other people that we learn so much about them that, that we can't handle it anymore? What is it about, what is it about doing life together so close that, 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 that if she does that thing one more time, I don't know what I'm going to do, Right? I mean, if he says that thing, which he thinks is funny, if he says it one more time, I'm just going to haul off and be mean to him. You know what I'm talking about? If, If Psalm 133 starts with the statement that it is good and pleasing when brothers and sisters, when families, when people... Get along. How can we do that? Considering how much we know about each other. Considering how how much we know about the stuff that they do and they keep doing. Day after day after day. I actually think the psalm gives an answer. Let 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 me try it out. See, verse 3 of Psalm 133 makes this reference to the dew that is on this mountain, Mount, Mount Hermon. It's, uh, it's up in the north. You can see it from, uh, you can see it from many of the places that, uh, that pilgrims still today travel when they visit the Holy Land. You can see it uh, in the distance. And your camera can take a picture. It, it's the tallest point, 9,000 feet high. It's the tallest point in, uh, in the region for many people and probably those who are writing the scriptures for, uh, for many people. It's, it's the tallest point on the planet because it's, it's, the, it's the closest that they could see or have ever visited. And this is a fact about this particular mountain, which is true about a lot of high elevation places, and that is that every morning you are greeted with dew that comes in buckets. 
He says, it is like the dew on, on Mount Hermon streaming down. Streaming down. What if, what if the reminder of dew that comes abundantly every day to renew and to cleanse and to refresh is actually the key to how we get along with each other. You know what's wrong that I do on a regular basis? Is that after I've seen somebody do something once and then twice, and don't let it happen a third time, I'll begin to label that person, right? Maybe, maybe you do, anybody, maybe you do it once, twice, it's just enough for me. It's just enough for me. I'll begin to label that person. The, the problem with labeling a person is that the punctuation mark that goes with labeling or categorizing or pigeonholing or, 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 or a, is a period. See, see, I say, well, that person is always going to be period. And a, and a period n- leaves no room for God's grace. A, a period leaves no room that God could still do a new thing in their life. A period leaves no room for the dew that comes every morning. When I label a person, when I categorize a person and say, she is always going to be this way, I'm, I'm simply, in my mind, cutting them off, cutting them off from God's grace. Now, I know no one in here wagered any money on basketball games, right? Nobody in this room wagered any money on basketball games. But if you happen to have and bet on Villanova last night, we're going to be having counseling here um, in the corner of the room because they lost, anybody you didn't know, um, and they weren't supposed to. No, No, here's the thing. When it comes to wagering on sports, I would suggest you don't do it. Listen. But how many of us wager in our heads and our hearts on other people when we literally say the words to ourselves or think them? I I bet bet he's never going to change. I, I bet she's always going to be that way. And just like a bet you've made on something trivial out in the world that gets you invested, all of a sudden you're now invested in that person not getting better. You're now, you're now, you're now, you, you, you now got skin in the game that that person doesn't grow. I think what God is doing in the church is trying to make us holy, sanctification. But if I'm walking around labeling people and pigeonholing them and literally thinking and using the words of, I bet, I'm invested that you're not going to change at all. Which puts me counter to the way that God actually works, which is to say, 
that there is dew that refreshes new every morning. What if, what if we started today treating each other with more grace? What if we started today thinking about people with a comma in the sentence and not a period? I'm, I'm fine to say, that person drives me crazy, comma, but I'm pulling for them. I wish that person, I wish that person never said those words again, comma, and, and I'm praying to be used by God to see it happen. I wish they weren't such a pessimist. I, w- I wish they weren't down all the time. I wish they could see the good that's going on. Comma. And I'm betting that God can use me to make it happen. What if, what if we started today treating each other with the exact same grace that we rely on from God? Because every person in this room has gathered here today counting on the fact that God's not done with us. I want to I close with, with just one thing. I want to close with one thing. And that is to go back to the Bible. I, I, think, I think this psalm, oh, I think this psalm actually has so much more going on. And, 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 and one of the things would be if we were to look at how it starts and how it ends, could we see the deep truth it has for us as we live together in community? It starts with the words, how pleasing it is when families live together as one. And it ends with the words, talking of blessing and eternal life. Could it be that that literally the blessing of eternal life is what happens when we live together without conflict? Could, could it be that life everlasting starts when we begin to treat each other with the grace that we rely on? Let's pray. Gracious God, start in me today. This renewal of grace towards others, the same grace that you give to me, start in me today, oh God. This turning away from describing people with labels and categories, from, from, from pigeonholing people and never letting them out of a box. Help me to be one who's invested in the growth of others. For this is what it means to live in community. This is what it means when the Bible says that it is so pleasing to you when families get together 
and live in harmony as one. Lord, this requires strength and courage, and it's not something I can do on my own. So by your grace, Lord, let it be. We pray in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen and amen.